You're listening to a podcast from evidencenetwork.ca, making evidence matter in Canadian health policy. Fentanyl overdoses are drawing national attention to the large and complex issue of illicit opioid addiction across Canada. But a lesser-known opioid crisis remains under our national radar, our increasing dependence on doctor-prescribed opioids on a regular, long-term basis. Kate Smolina, who studies population and public health, explains some of the risks of long-term prescription opioid use. Over time, if you're taking opioids for more than three months, you may need to get strong, uh, higher and higher dose in order to get the exact same effect of pain relief. Um, with higher doses come very higher risks of you know, adverse events, which includes overdose. But independence refer- refers to the where you're starting to need the drug in order to feel normal, quote unquote. And that all is in, in the face of not necessarily any improvement in the actual pain. Here's what troubles Melina about opioid prescriptions. They can be effective for short-term pain relief. They become less effective for long-term pain relief. At the same time, there is significant evidence showing that long-term opioid use is harmful. Even so, prescription opioid use is on the rise. Smilina recently co-authored a study in British Columbia showing that long-term opioid prescriptions for non-cancer pain grew by 19% between 2005 and 2012. What we found is that 2% of British Columbia residents are long-term opioid users. That's a high number when you're thinking in terms of population health statistics. So the chances are individuals who are not on opioids may know somebody who is currently taking these opioids. By 2012, over 110,000 BC residents used prescription opioids on a regular basis. That number is likely higher today. This BC data suggests that it's time to take a look at what's going on in other parts of the country because outside of BC and Ontario, we haven't bothered. There's not a lot of data in other provinces. We we know more information about the opioid crisis in BC and in Ontario. I'd say that's the two provinces that have uh, quantified and described the problem best, but it doesn't mean that the lack of data doesn't mean the lack of a crisis or the lack of a problem. Um, It just the analysis hasn't happened yet and we don't have very good national estimates of whether the problem is the same or different across the country. She told me that for short-term pain, perhaps after surgery or during cancer treatment, opioids are useful. Otherwise, there are other more effective strategies for managing pain. Options could include topical agents, neuropathic medications, steroid injections and physiotherapy. So why do so many Canadians have long-term opioid prescriptions? According to Kim Rutherford, who also co-authored the BC Opioid Study, it's because our public and private health plans so often pay for them, but they do not fund alternatives as readily. Rutherford is a physician and clinical instructor. Listen to her explain how funding discrepancies create barriers that limit treatment options for her patients. If I have a patient coming in with what we call more of a mechanical pain, so a joint pain, a low back pain, I would like to be able to send them to a trained physiotherapist and have them work through a program that we know will help with their outcomes both immediately and long term. Strengthening the core to support the back can decrease the pain associated with low back pain and decrease future episodes of low back pain. But unless my patients have uh, extended health coverage, they're often not able to access that type of service. For patients who come in with uh, nerve pain, I would like to be able to offer them uh, neuropathic medications, so medications that target that nerve pain 
in a better way and with fewer side effects than opioid medications. But again, unless they have a very good extended health coverage um, package, then they will not be able to access those. I think it puts doctors in a difficult position because on the one hand, they do work, these medications, opioids, work very well for acute pain, injury, uh, after surgeries. They, they have a, a, an important role to play. When pain becomes chronic and people become reliant on these medications longer term, we need other options. She would also like to see more investment in public health programs and services that encourage healthy diets, regular exercise, good sleep habits, stress management, all factors that contribute to many chronic pain conditions. Changing the way that we eat, the way that we get active, will help prevent a lot of conditions that could down the line mean people need uh, opioid medications. Rutherford says pain prevention really is the best medicine. And when it comes to managing chronic pain, non-opioid treatments are better over the long term. But for those options to be realistic for everyone, Rutherford says our public health plan must invest in those alternatives as well. Why? Because, says Rutherford, opioid addiction, including prescription addiction, can affect anyone. This issue really is going to more and more and more affect people across the spectrum, age-wise, socioeconomic status-wise. Um, and I think everyone, every single person who's suffering uh, and who is touched by this deserves us to have a response that's appropriate and meets everyone's needs. For Evidence Network, I'm Nita Das McMurtry. You've been listening to a podcast from evidencenetwork.ca, making evidence matter in Canadian health policy. Connect with the latest nonpartisan health research from experts across Canada and around the world, or sign up to receive our free monthly e-newsletter at www.evidencenetwork.ca. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Evidencenetwork.ca is funded by the Canadian Foundation for Healthcare Improvement, the Canadian Institutes of Health Research, Research Manitoba, and the University of Winnipeg.